Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel, and welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, where we are here to talk about making money, how to keep it, invest it, use a team, and really the conversation about money, because no one teaches it properly if you want to get rich. The entire system is designed the rich get rich, poor get poor. We have a whole series of off-wall street modules that we talk about, and one of the topics that comes up over and over and over that we want to share with you today is Canada. I'm married to a Canadian a lot of Canadians want to do business in the U.S. I have with me uh, today a CPA, accountant in Canada, cross-border, licensed in Canada and the U.S., Dave Hare. So, Dave, welcome to uh, Laurel's Real Money Talks. Hi, Laurel. Thank you. So, Dave, talk a little bit. First, there's very few people, I think, have the ambition to get cross-border. So, give a little history of like where you went to school and how you ended up with a cross-border license. Sure. Well, I started off my education in the state of Michigan four-year degree there, then worked uh, for several years with public accounting firms in Michigan and Wisconsin, obtained my CPA license while I was there, my articling. Then from there, uh, worked for the audit client for a couple of years in Michigan, then went over to the Canadian side and worked for very large U.S. companies such as Caterpillar, Baker Hughes, Volvo, Volkswagen, corporate controller on those particular entities. and then. Basically decided to uh, branch out on my own and do my own thing instead of working for corporate America. Exactly. I think it's also a testament to uh, when we say yes, we figure things out. So talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial venture started in real estate. Yes. And Uh, how you are today where you are. Sure. Well, about a year and a half ago, I ended up approaching Laurel on a real estate deal that we were looking at being Canadian. It's not the easiest thing in the world to get U.S. funding on U.S. assets. I was looking to going into the Columbus, Ohio market and Laurel for a loan on that. And that's how kind of it starts. She said, absolutely. Here's the sign up for the big table <laughs> as well. Dude. So I signed up for the, the big table, started my investing into Columbus. I have now five places, five multi-units in Columbus. I was still working for uh, Baker Hughes at the time. Obviously, the oil industry wasn't uh, robust anymore and laid off in that position over there. And then decided time to take things on my own, my own hand and go my own way. So I was expanding on the real estate side. And one of the things that I learned through Laurel is raising money. And I ended up getting actually pretty good at that. Laurel decided to bring me on board in September. Mm-hmm. and I say bring him on board. I called him and I said, Dave, you need to move out of Canada and you need to get in your little car and you need to drive here and I need you like yesterday. And he got literally me. the next day. <laughs> literally, here I, was he in, I was in the vehicle driving 37 hours to here in Tahoe. Enjoyed every minute. We've been doing a few good solid deals. I've closed on a marina in November in Texas. We've got that going up and running, doing some major renovations to the place. Doing some great, great expansion over there. Just two days ago, signed a $50 million contract. Yeah. $50 million, Say that again. Yeah, Bye. $50 million. Five, oh, I t- tell you, that's 
Would I have ever dreamed a year and a half ago that I'd be signing $50 million contracts? No. But it's all about just, you know, getting it done and doing it. Is you've got to make that that big step. If you want to, you know, really do something in life, then then you you can push for it. Anybody can do anything. And that's one thing I've I've noticed <laughs> is you know, yeah. I surrounded myself with the right people, the right team. And that's why I'm signing fifty million dollar contracts today. Yep. And for those of you who want to get on the team, again, go to asklaurel.com, put in your name, phone number, and email and say, I want to get in this community because you can do whatever you want. And it is about the team. This is where Dave's wheelhouse mm-hmm. is completely different than mine and how you build this diverse team that provides you expertise. So let's get to the Canadian conversation. Sure. So I have a great tax account. Weldon, you know him. We have Jess Romakulis, who is a cross-border accountant as well. He works in the 50 million right mm-hmm. <laughs> accounting so to find that person who will work with entrepreneurs that's cross-border, they're tough to find. And that's kind of what we pride ourselves on. So that's why Dave's on the team. And he also knows how to do deal structure. We'll talk more about that on a different podcast. But let's talk about the differences between, I mean, Canada law is very different. And then in some cases follows American law. So I think there's a lot of confusion, like Canadians get the same benefit. There's not. You have no, far less right. benefits. So I'm going to let you talk Canada because that's where you're from. Okay. so. I'm going to talk about three different business structures today. So we have partnerships, limited companies, and sole props. So on the partnerships, that's where you go together with a family, a friend, a colleague. You know, you want to set up a a convenience store, whatever it may be. And you don't want to set up a company just yet. You can go into a partnership return. And then each partner does their own tax return based on that partnership level. You have obviously tax write-offs available to that. It goes to your personal tax returns. So any money you make on those partnership returns, it goes straight to your taxes. So you have to be careful when you come to those things. You've got liability issues and you have some tax issues. Depends on the tax rate you're at, how much you're making. If it's a bottom line of $100,000 each, then maybe consider going into a corporation standpoint. We also have Sole props. Now, this is where you know you want to set up Bob's Plumbing. And the one nice thing about sole props is in if Canada, you have and it's in, in Canada, yeah, and this is in Canada only. Remember, so one thing about the sole props you can work with is you have write-offs against your T4 income. So if you have T4 income, this may be a great setup for you for the first year or two years, depending on how much revenue you're going to be bringing in. And in a lot of cases, of course, you're just starting a new business, whether it be an MLM or let's say Bob's Plumbing or whatever it may be. So if you have a T4 job and you're making call it $100,000 and your new plumbing job, let's call it, you have $1,000 in revenue for the year and you have $5,000 in expenses, well, you've got 4K that you can now write off against your T4 income. So this is a great tax strategy from that standpoint. However, like I say, if you only have $1,000 in revenue, you're not probably going to open yourself up to any liability problems. Now, I mean, in Canada, we're not like too happy as as they are in the US. (laughs) So there is a little bit more flexibility from that standpoint. But again, you just want to make sure you're protecting your assets, your personal assets, such as your house, your vehicle, whatever assets you may have. So this is 
if you become a liability issue, you could end up losing your house on these salt ventures. So you have to be careful. Now, again, just from a purely tax standpoint, this is something that you may want to look at for the first couple of years until you establish yourself into that revenue generation. And so speak to that, because I think that is a strategy in Canada because it works. It's totally different down here. Like the longer you stay in a sole prop and have a business down here, the less deductions and with the new tax reform, you lose 20%. Because I know people listening are from all over the world. That is such a big distinction on whether to stay a sole proprietor. Like in Canada, it makes sense. So talk about the distinctions of why and when that actually makes sense. When you look at it just from a tax standpoint, even if you have no income, you have no T4 income, that may work on it. If your spouse is making, again, $100,000, they need the tax write-off that you basically bring to the table, your personal personal tax exemption. So you can utilize that too. And when you're having these losses, they have carry forwards as well too. So you can write off your house if you're, when I say write off your house, I mean, you can write off parts of your house. The general rule is 10 to 20% max. Depends on how much room you're taking up in the house. So if you say, well, I'm going to take, oh, I've got a plumbing business and I've got, I want to take 50% off of my house expenses, Revenue Canada is going to come knocking on the door right away. Now, (laughs) on that note, you could also carry forward those house expenses. So for example, if you had that $4,000 loss I was talking about earlier, then you can't write off your house expenses below $0. So if you have a $4,000 loss, you can't take any of that house loss, that you, the house expenses that we, I just talked about. So what you'd have to do is you have to carry forward those to another year. So they would accumulate going forward, which can be good, but also then, like if you had a company, you could take those losses now and it stays as a, a loss carry forward for you know, it's a whole business enterprise. So you have to start considering as as well when you start making money that if you're making, call it $20,000 plus, if you have T4 income, that $20,000 is going to be on top of your, again, let's call it $100,000. So you're now at the highest tax bracket and we don't want that. So if you start making $2,000, $3,000 or whatever in your business and you have that T4 income that you're bringing in as well, it's just crazy. Then you're taxed at a 50% tax rate. So that's where it becomes not a very good idea to be in a sole prop position. That's where you want to start moving into a corporation. And again, then you may get to a point of saying, okay, well, I don't want my job anymore. My plumbing business is now taking off and my side business is taking off. I don't want to go into that full time. But again, you're going to start making a lot more of income. Now, what you do from there is then you go into the limited companies. Now, let me talk about limited companies. A lot of people say, well, what is the difference between an LTD, a limited company, and an Inc.? In Canada, there isn't any. There's no difference. It's just how you want to brand your company. Bob's Plumbing, LTD, whatever it may be. So you have those options. They don't mean anything. (laughs) So in the U.S., it may be different, but in Canada, those mean nothing. You have more flexibility on write-offs when you get into the company meaning Revenue Canada doesn't generally knock on your door when you start showing more of the gas expenses for your vehicle, you know, just your vehicle write-offs in general, your house write-offs. Again, you could do the, if you're working out of your house, rule of thumb generally is like 
your business, your inventory, whatever it may be, will probably take up 10 to 20% of your of your house expenses. Then even though you may be taking up more room, once you start going over the 20%, Revenue Canada is going to need some type of justification why you're taking such a larger deduction. So just be careful on that. It may be fine, but and you can prove it. Just be careful. It's a red flag that comes up. There is also travel expenses as well, too. You can be a little more flexible on the travel. Of course, you can't write off your golf games. <laughs> so talk about <laughs> so. that. Talk about the entertainment. It's never been able to written off in Canada. And now for the first time ever this year, there's certain entertainment like golf just went away in America. So it's a big distinction. Talk about those pieces who like it's Absolutely. so obvious for Americans and you Canadians have never been able to take it. So going out for supper is a good thing. When we talk about going out for dinner and you want to bring out the entire office, that's fine. You can do that because you're entertaining everyone. If you're just bringing you and your buddy Bob going out for dinner, it becomes a little more questionable if it's an office expense. So then what they do is to say, well, of course, you have to have right off 50% of that meal or entertainment. So you can only, if it's a $100 meal, that means you can only write off $50 of it. So you just have to be careful on those type of things. Again, your travel, Revenue Canada can be very, very particular on travel. They generally want you to do a logbook of your business expenses versus your personal driving. So you've got personal driving and uh, business driving. What they do is they, nowadays, you have all kinds of electronic logs you can bring along into your car and just type it in, boom, and it's downloaded in your, that's a good way of tracking. You know, when you're going out for entertainment, you just have to be very careful on what you can and can't write off. Like I say, you can't just be going to a ball game or a hockey game or, you know, things like that. Yes, you can bring a client to, to those type of entertainments, but there's very strict rules around that. So just talk to your accountant on those type of rules. You have to be careful on those. But again, bottom line is on, on limited companies, you have a lot more flexibility for keeping Revenue Canada off your back. <laughs> so when you're into small, the solo props, they question everything because so in a lot that, of people use that as just my personal expenses to write them off. So... Really, I mean, we're very, very, I'm going to say aggressive and I think forward thinking that eventually you're going to need an entity like to do any of the deals that Dave and I do. And thank God a year ago, you remembered it. We set up an entity. It didn't do what we needed it to do. And we didn't take it down. We sat it on the shelf and then we needed it like now we need an entity. So talk just about the benefit of even though there's some conservative and some strategy to that, why is it better just to get in the right position and get incorporated and get set regardless what country you're in. It's okay. just, that's yes, really exactly. Thing. So a little bit on that. Again, we always prefer to set up as a limited company. Now, number one, your liability protection. So you want to protect your assets. You want to protect, remember what I was saying, on if you're in a sole prop, you're not really protecting your house. You have a million, especially in Canada and some places, these bigger cities, like in Toronto, Vancouver, nothing to have a million dollar house nowadays. And you want to make sure you're protecting your million-dollar house because something goes wrong in your business. That's the first thing they're going to do. And operating agreements is another thing. When you start getting into the corporations and other players involved, you know, partners, you want to bring in a partner, you protect yourself by having operating agreements and contracts in place. So these are the type of things. you got resolutions that you need to be done. 
It's just all that legal structure of the business. So you can move forward, protecting your assets, protecting yourself from any, any issues going forward and exit strategies with your partners if you're going in with partners into a company. The other good thing is when you have a company in Canada, you can set up your U.S. structure for having a U.S. C-Corp, for example. Now, there's plenty of ways of structuring your investments or whatever you want to bring down to the U.S., if it's investments or it's an operating company, passive income, whatever it may be. There's a lot of different options for, for Canadians. Just to let you know the ones that I use, I use, again, it's Corporation of Canada set up, and that corporation will own a C-corporation in the U.S. Now, I'm an accountant in both countries. I bill at a certain rate to clients. But what I do with that is also I'm proving the fact that to Revenue Canada that I'm billing out to clients. I can now bill, have my U.S. Canadian company bill my U.S. company for accounting services. So that is a tax-free way of pulling money out of your U.S. company. So if I had, call it $10,000 I wanted to bring up to Canada, I can write a bill out for the accounting you know, books and records that I'm doing on the U.S. books. I can have the Canadian company bill the U.S. company. Then I, I would just normally distribute the money through a dividend or whatever it may be, whatever works out for me on my Canadian corporation. And then that's another thing on when you're pulling money out of these companies in Canada, like I say, if you have a sole prop, again, you're at your highest tax rate. If you are able to do like a dividend structure, dividends from Canadian corporations get tax benefits. So you have a much lower tax rate by pulling out a dividend out of the Canadian company. That's what Revenue Canada prefers as getting the Canadian economy going by bringing in that investment into the country. Talk a little bit about, because, you know, we deal with this, as you know, even like last night talking to my husband. In Canada, you're really personal and you're really corporate. In America, you know, there's a lot of what we would, I would say, you know, say personal, but different deductions we get to do. And obviously, we have 81,000 pages of deductions. And we can take really low incomes where you guys actually have to take distributions. You've got to take income personally in a very different way that we do it in America. So I think that's a critical one most Canadians don't understand. And there's some ways around all that. Yeah. So that's just where you have to be careful when you're bringing in corporation down in the U.S., like where you want to set up your investments in the U.S. For example, if you want to bring money back another way, besides like a, an accounting services, because that's what I do, if it's a U.S.C. corporation that's set up and it's sending money back up to the Canadian corporation or to you personally, then it's 5% withholding tax. But if you'd set up, call it an LLC, and want to bring the money up, so it's a much higher withholding tax. I believe the it's like a 15% withholding tax. That's where you have to be mindful of how you're going to get your money up to Canada and how much it's going to cost you in taxes to bring it back up. So in a lot of cases, a lot of our clients, they keep the money down in the U.S. And you know when they come down and they have their corporate meeting in, in Miami, you know, on the beach, then they're having their corporate meeting and that's completely deductible. You're having your annual meeting and you get exactly. to write that off. So there's a variety of ways of doing that. And that's, again, it's all about planning and having the right team and, and making sure you're setting it up right from the beginning because you don't want to get three years down the road and you're making 
a half a million dollars in business in the U.S. a year and not knowing how to get back up to Canada. Well, and then t- so. talk of one more thing, though, because I do a little bit different because I travel so much. And the exchange rates, wiring fees, transfer fees can get expensive. Mm-hmm. So because I have the strategy the way that I do for now, I keep my money around the world. I keep it in its accounts. I keep credit cards. So is there a reason for somebody for a while just to keep a whole bunch of assets and just keep that cash moving through U.S. assets, not bring it back to Canada? Talk about why they would just want to keep it here or up yeah. there. And why yeah, if you're going to keep it here, the tax rate at the moment, again, it depends, it depends on your situation, but the tax rate will be lower here in the U.S. by keeping the money down here. So bring it back up to Canada and you end up bringing it into you personally, it's going to cost you more money from a tax standpoint. So that's why I'm saying know your what you need for cash flow up in Canada versus what you need down in the U.S. When you travel, you can have U.S. Visa card, uh, U.S. debit card, credit card, whatever, applying against your U.S. company. So all that money comes out of the U.S. instead of when you're up in Canada paying that exchange rate, like Laurel says. No, it's crazy. Um, and some of the fees in banks are just Oh, ridiculous. the fees, yeah. Wiring money from the U.S. up to Canada is going to cost you $40, $45 each time you wire. So that's why if you're making $500 a month, call it in cash flow in the U.S., you need to bring that back, that money back because you sent it down to the U.S. That's going to cost you like $40, $45 a month every time you're doing that. So not really worth that cash flow investment if it's only a small amount and you need to bring it back every single month to live on, to pay your bills up in Canada. Exactly. So again, those are the type of things you need to think about is, you know, when somebody say they want to make a $25,000 investment into the U S I always tell them, okay, well, let's think about those costs that are going to be associated with, right. Is there's going to be costs in the U S for registering that business and keeping up the annual costs and, and the accounting, and you know, the tax of all those corporate tax returns. So that there's a cost associated with that. So if you're bringing a $25,000 down, you're really going to need pretty high returns just to offset that amount. Exactly. Now, we always tell people, calculate what you need. I always say it's kind of bringing $50,000 down minimum if you're making trying to make a decision on any type of investment in the U.S., no matter what it is, because there's costs associated with those business. So that's why you want to do minimum $50,000 bringing down and building up from there, just because of those costs associated with that. So what's the first step that a lot of folks can do? And those of you listening, you're Laurel's World Money Talks, and Laurel's World Money Talks has all my podcasts, so it's laurelsworldmoneytalks.com. But the call to action response page is actually Ask Laurel, A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L. So you can go to askworld.com and say, put in your name, phone number, and email, and say, I would like a session with Dave, someone on the team to talk about whether you know I should be doing this. So for people to assess or get ready, obviously they need to talk to you, somebody who's actually a good cross-border professional. What are their first steps? Do they need to kind of get ready to have a proper conversation with you? You may have to talk about trust, whether you have children involved, when you start bringing that money down into the U.S., what happens something with yourself from an insurance standpoint, and there's different insurance-type products that might work for you from that aspect of for the children from a tax standpoint as well too. So it's individually tailored to yourself, whether you have siblings or, you know, your parents or whatever it may be. If you have some family down in the US or across the pond and 
you just have to keep in mind that everyone's different, especially if you're doing cross-border. Again, in the U.S., if you're just doing U.S. investments, that's totally different. But if you're in Canada or on the other side of the world, these structures have to be set up right in the beginning. Yeah, and I think your intention, if you want to get rich, the rich get rich, and we do it through companies. What just our average costs? I know Canada actually at some levels a little cheaper and more generic. Like I know in our community, we can get you an entity for 1500 with a really high-level law firm, which it does have to be done by lawyers in Canada, doesn't it? Or can it be done by accountants? Yes, you can. Accountant can do it. That's okay. correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, Dave, I want to thank you for being here. I know we could talk forever about like how it works. It's different for every one of you. So there's not a plug and play. It drives me crazy when you go to those $99 entity sites and then you screw it up and they don't get you the right paperwork. So take advantage of some free assessments that we give just to see where you are. And again, go to asklaurel.com. You have to give us your name, phone number, and email, and then make a request that I want to talk to Dave, one of the cross-border accountants. You can put a little bit in there. It's a very private site. And the team that answers that gets it over to the right place at the right time. So thanks for listening. You're on Laurel's Real Money Talks. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmeyer, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit laurelsrealmoneytalks.com for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth-building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit laurelsrealmoneytalks.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.